It's always good to hear Brother Terry um, lead us in worship. Did a great job, always. Appreciate him. So we're delighted, as it's already been said, that so many are watching us online. I'm so encouraged by the number of people who tune us in and even more encouraged by you folks who are bodily, physically present. Aren't you grateful to God that you have the physical health, right, to be in church today? Aren't you glad? I just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, I've already done this, but I want to invite you, if, as you're sitting here, I'm going to give you permission, all right? So you, 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 you can just open up your phone and go to our website and click the share button. So many of us are in here, and I want to encourage you to share, as Jeremy's already asked those who are online to share. I did it earlier. You may have to go off of the church Wi-Fi to do it. That's pretty simple. <clears throat> and just take it off Wi-Fi, share it, and then come back and so um, I think this is cool. This is a great idea that we can get many, even more people in tune with us as we worship the Lord, as we preach the Word of God. This Thursday, I want to invite you to a special prayer meeting. It seems like I've been inviting y'all to a lot of things here lately. This week, uh, we had the Who's Your One conference. Many of you came, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know I don't ask you many times to show up for big events, but uh, some of you decided to come, and I just want you to know I appreciate it so very, very much as it represented our city, it represented our church, and many of you came, and I thank you, thank you, and we had a wonderful time. And then yesterday and Friday, uh, here on the stage, the Texas Values um, uh, family and Faith and Freedom Forum. We hosted that, and Corey and Yid and our media guys just did an amazing job. You know, Terry, it's so fun when people come up to me and they come from the outside and they interface with our people, and the leadership always make a point to find me and say, you have the most amazing staff, and they are so amazing to work with. And I just appreciate that so very, very much. But I know I'm inviting you to a lot of things, but I do want to invite you to this Thursday, Great Hills Baptist Church. We're going to choose this day, and, and we've already met with the leadership at the Austin Disaster Relief Network, and we're going to engage in a day of prayer and fasting, and at 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock here in the sanctuary, and we're going to try to do this live feed as well, or, or at least Facebook Live, and we're just going to spend an hour praying. Say amen if you would agree that our nation needs prayer today. Boy, don't we? We need prayer. Our president needs prayer. I mean, many, many decisions are being made and will be made, and a big one's about to be made here in a couple of months, and so I just want to encourage you, if you have not registered, make sure you, re now look at it, register to vote, pray and ask God how he wants you to vote, and let your vote line up with what the Word of God says, or at least the candidate who most aligns himself with the Word of God, and then cast your vote. Is that all right? Is that fair to do that, to say that? Good, good. I want you to make sure you represent and vote uh, the way the Lord would have you to vote. So there's a lot going on in our church, and I'm just grateful to God that I get the opportunity to open up this sacred text here, this book. And I was um, on a panel uh, Friday, I think it was Friday afternoon, I was sitting right here and I got all excited sitting down talking to the people that were there. And they said, well, how can we pray for you, pastor? And I said, well, keep praying that I'd have courage and would have wisdom. But also, would you pray that the men of God in the church of God, the pastors would get back to preaching the word of God? That, that is my greatest desire. And I think the greatest thing that could happen in America is that the people of God would worship the Lord once again. I know it's kind of sounds old school, don't it? That the Bible has become the most neglected book in the church, but not at Great Hills. We love the Lord. We love his word. We want to honor it. We want to read it. We want to read the parts we like and the parts that give us heartburn, right? All right, so let's read today. It's Acts chapter 10. I have a lengthy passage of scripture and I'm going to read it. I'm going to share this message with you and those of you that are just joining in with us and many brand new people every week come in either online. And by the way, again, I welcome you guys online. Many of you faithfully watch us in multiple states across the United States, some people overseas. Just know I don't necessarily see you, but we love you. We appreciate it. And we're, we welcome you into our Bible study and to the preaching of God's word. So we're in the book of Acts the theme really to us of the book of Acts is the church that is on the move. The church of Jesus Christ has been birthed in Acts chapter two by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he would do it. He said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my called out people, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against my living organism. Jesus is the author of the church. And so the church is essential because Jesus is essential. And he created the church and the Holy Spirit came. Woo! And things have never been the same. As the Holy Spirit of God came and filled those 120 and they went out and they began to preach the gospel, as Paul said, to the Jew first. And now we get to read, and I've been preaching on this for the last two weeks, Acts chapter 10. The theme or the title of Acts chapter 10 for me has been more than meets the what? More than meets the eye. But today my title is The Two Greatest Confessions. Within our text, as I read it, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a hint. In verse 26 is the first greatest confession a mere mortal being can make. And the second greatest confession is contained in verse 36. So we're looking at Acts chapter 10. I'm gonna read the passage of scripture and I love the way the Bible states it and repeats it. And I think it does it for people like me. I don't know how you learn, but I learn through repetition. And so you're gonna read this with me and go, but we've already read that and, and Luke, He's an amazing author, led by the Holy Spirit, a first-rate historian, a great medical doctor, and he is going to recount for us over and over so it begins to be embedded in our minds and in our hearts, the Word of God. I tell you what, I just, I was praying with a group of guys this morning and I was just thinking, I know the discouragement is palpable. It's so obvious, it's so conspicuous that so many are discouraged and they're frightened and they're worried about the future and, and what a privilege it is to preach about the God who's never frightened. <laughs> he's never worried. He's, he's always in control. He promises to be with you. He loves you. He's not against you. He is for you. And come what may, I was reading just this week, though the mountains fall into the sea, and though the waves rage and roar, we will not fear because our God is for us. And if anybody, if anybody should be happy and rejoice, even in the midst of sorrow and discouragement, it's the people of God. So here we are, we're in Acts, we're in chapter 10. I wanna begin reading in verse 24, where Peter meets Cornelius. Woo, there's more going on here, right? And the following day, they entered Caesarea. They would be the delegation of seven from Joppa. It's important because seven validates a case. So Peter is with six of his Jewish friends and they make their way about, what, a couple of days journey, 30 miles due north from Joppa, right on the coast there. Many of y'all have been there, Tel Aviv, Joppa, go right up the coast to Caesarea by the sea because there's a man there by the name of Cornelius. He's not just any man. He is a Roman centurion. He's a just man, a good man. He loves God. He loves the people of God. And he saw in a vision that a man named Peter needs to come and talk to him. So they came. Cornelius was waiting for them <clears throat> and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Verse 26, the first greatest confession a mere mortal being can make. Peter lifted him up and he said, stand up, I myself am just a man. Are you with me? That's confession number one. I am only a man. I am only a human being. I am not God, but there is a God and I am not him. That is a, that is a posture of humility and integrity. I am only a man. Be me a president, a pastor, a CEO, a leader of a country, it does not matter. We are still mere mortal women and men. That's the first greatest confession that you could make. Verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and he found, church, say it with me, found what? Many. many. Not a few, but many who had come together. Some scholars I read said there's an estimated crowd in the house between 30 and 50. Now, that's a lot of people in a house. 
30 to 50. I think Cornelius called all of his buddies, his military comrades. He had mom and pop there. He had brothers and sisters there. If he's married, he's got his kids there. The place is packed out and they are so anticipating what Peter's gonna share with them. They found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know, Peter said, how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of, this is a very important little phrase I'm about to read to you, another nation. Some translations or some people really call this uncircumcised Philistines. You know how unlawful it is. For me, being a monotheistic Jew that I am, to come into the presence of the Gentiles, the hated Gentiles, but God. Everybody say that with me, ready? But God. 668 times in your Bibles, the words but God are used. Many times they are used back to back like this. Every time I've read this, in fact, next week, my, all my podcasts, no, my devotions, I get them confused sometimes. Every devotion that I'm writing for the following week, Monday through Friday is entitled, but God. Every time that I've read these, this phrase in the Bible, it is always prefaced with problems. It's prefaced with difficulty and hardship and misunderstanding. And we're almost to the point of utter despair, but God. Ooh, is that good? I see I'm a whole lot more excited about that than you are, but that's okay. I'm just still thrilled that you are here. All right, here we go. But God has shown me that I shall not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came, Peter said, I came to you, Cornelius, without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, why did you want me to come? For what reason have you sent me, sent for me? So Cornelius said, now here comes the recapitulation, right? Here comes the summary. You've read this before, but it's okay. We need to read it again. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m. I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And this man said to me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms, your charitable gifts are remembered in the sight of God. Now send therefore to Jaffa or Jaffa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. Wow, isn't that amazing? That an angel appears to Cornelius and gives him precise names, locations, people. Hey, here's what you need to do. Some of you are going, man, I wish God would do that for me. I tell you, it would be so much easier if God would just appear to me while I'm praying and fasting and he say, hello, I see you. Go take this job on this date. Go marry that man. Go marry that woman. Go invest in that stock. And you're like, yes. Why doesn't God do that? I will tell you why because he has the Holy Spirit within us. And when we're walking with God, he will lead us to do all those things. He will lead us to make the wise decisions, all right? When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, Cornelius said, and you have done well to come, Peter. Now, therefore, verse 33, we are all here. <laughs> we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So Peter and Cornelius have a meeting, all right? They, they meet together. And the delegation of seven Jews are meeting in the house. I'm guessing it's probably about 50 people. So about 57 people are meeting together. They all turn their attention to Peter and say, okay, Peter, you are here. Now speak to us. What does Peter say? This is very important. He surprises me. Then Peter opened his mouth. That's a colloquial phrase in the Greek, meaning what I'm about to share with you is incredibly important. All right? He opens his mouth and he says, in truth, I perceive that God shows no 
partiality. Is that not amazing? God shows no partiality. I was thinking that I was a Jew and privileged and I would dare not come into the presence of another Gentile, of a Gentile person, but I'm telling you, God got a hold of me. I was praying and fasting and a big sheet, a bunch of animals came down and God said, rise up and eat. Peter, don't ever call anything unclean that I've called clean. So Peter, he is speaking from experience saying, I've met with God. God has changed my heart. He, is, he shows no partiality. Aren't you? I'm so glad because I want you to know something. If God showed partiality, we'd be, in a, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But God loves us. He's for us. He sent uh, missionaries, evangelists, people in your home and in your life who shared no respecter of persons. God loved you so much that he let you hear the gospel and you became a follower of Christ, those of you that have. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation... Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, here it comes, preaching peace. Uangolitsoma is the Greek word. I'm about to read for you three times the word preach in English, and all three times it's a different Greek word. It's just fascinating. That I would preach uangolitsoma, that's where we get the English word, you transliterate it right out of Greek into English, it's called evangelism that I would preach peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was preached, proclaimed, genoma. That's a totally different word, which means to broadcast and to publish abroad. Proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John Caruso. <laughs> it's three different words. We just call it preached in English and Caruso means to make a grand announcement. The Karuks was the person who went in front of the entourage and the royalty behind him, and he was the Karuks. He was the person saying, hey, everybody, attention, please. Here he comes. Here comes the king, and that's what the Karuks did. And by the way, that's what John the Baptist did. He was the Karuks. He was the herald. He was the one saying, it's not about me. I am only a man. But let me tell you, he is God. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was John the Baptist. And he proclaimed that message and he preached it. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Ooh, come on. With the Holy Spirit and with dunamis, with power. And Jesus went about doing Somebody read that for me. Doing what? Doing good. He went about doing, Jesus did good deeds. Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are his witnesses. Cornelius, are you listening? All you Gentiles, are y'all with me? Can I get, I wonder if Peter ever said, can I get an amen? You know, can I, can, is everybody with me on this? Are y'all listening? I don't think he had to do that. Because it's interesting, when, when people gather to really hear the message of the gospel, they're riveted by it. They, they're drawn to it. They, they're convicted by it, and they don't have to worry about taking a nap or thinking about football or whatever, what we're going to eat. No, no, the Spirit of God is so upon Peter. And Peter is anointed, and he's preaching. I'm telling you, Peter didn't get up and say, all right, here you go, Peter. We've asked you to come. What is the message that you're going to share? And Peter did not get up and say this Americanized, truncated, polluted gospel. I'm okay. You're okay. Let's all just be happy in the Lord. That's the message that's being preached and proclaimed throughout all these United States of America. I'm okay, let's live our best lives now. Let's don't worry about anything. Let's certainly don't talk about bloody religion and Jesus dying on a cross. Let's just be happy. I'm okay and you're okay. I'm so glad Peter didn't do that. He stood up and preached the word of God. He preached from a heart full of Jesus. He, he preached from a heart that had been broken and convicted by God. He was basically saying, I was a racist. I was prejudiced, but God told me, don't you dare call anything unclean that I've made clean. I'm telling you, Peter's preaching the word. Then he gets to the good stuff. Jesus, look at this. We're witnesses of the things which Jesus did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they 
killed by hanging on a tree. I'm telling you, he's preaching the cross whom God raised from the dead on the third day and showed him openly. Woo, not to everybody. Again, you get into the sovereignty of God, the mystery of God, the majesty of God. You say, well, why didn't Jesus just appear to anybody? And everybody, man, that would be a whole lot easier, no? He appeared to his disciples, to those who walked with him and ate with him and fellowshiped and he discipled them. He appeared to us, his witnesses, chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Wow. You say, that took you a long time to read that passage of scripture, Brother Danny. Now, what are we gonna do about that? Well, I'm gonna just walk you through it and just, just talk to you a couple things that really, that I felt just resonated with me and I wanted you to make sure that, that you grab a hold of this as we now publicly read the word of God. I just wanna bring out a couple of things. First of all is this called, I call it the meeting. The meeting is gonna transpire in Cornelius' home and there's so much going on here, so much more than meets the eye. Do you realize, church, as one writer puts it, I love Kent Hughes, he said, everyone was there. Mom, the children, the grandparents, his military associates and servants, they did not know it. But they were about to have the first ever cross-cultural home Bible study. They're good. And might I say this, for the very first time ever, the gospel will be preached to the Gentiles. That's pretty amazing. For the very first time, people like you and me, who are not Jews, most of you here today are not Jews, you're Greeks and uneducated Philistines and, and Gentiles like me. Aren't you glad? You say, well, I'm privileged, man, I live in America. Let me, let me tell you something. We are very privileged because we get the gospel preached to us. And we get to receive Christ and we get our sins forgiven and we get to go to heaven. What in heaven's name are we worried about? That God would do so many great things for us. Would God surely not lead us through treacherous and difficult times? Absolutely. Here it is, first confession. Peter says, do not do that. <laughs> do not worship me. I am just a man. It's very interesting to me that Peter not say, I am the viker, I am the pope of the church, I am the holy father. No, he didn't do that. He said, I am a man. In 1 Peter 5, he says, I'm just a servant. Where in the world do we get this worship of man? We have to get away from that and worship Jesus and him only. He says, I am... I'm just a man, he says in verse 26. That's the first greatest confession. Paul and Barnabas did the same thing in Lystra. They tried to worship them and they said, don't do that. Another conspicuous example is Revelation 22, eight and nine. Even the beloved John, John the revelator, John the beloved disciple of Jesus. He said, I saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to proskuneo. I worshiped before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the angel said, uh, don't do that. <laughs> I love it, don't, don't do that. For I'm your fellow servant. Angels and human beings were servants of the most high God. I'm, I'm your servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Verse 27, Peter found all of these people gathered and John MacArthur, he says it just bluntly. If a group of Gentiles were saved, they would have to accept that God was including the Gentiles into his church, end of quote. And, and it would be one thing if just one accepted Christ. Next week, we're gonna see the Holy Spirit of God falls upon them, the whole house is converted. And Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This thing is burgeoning. This thing is blossoming. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't stutter when he said, and, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Y'all with me, church? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? To the Gentiles, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Verse 28, can I just go back over that again? I love this, but 
God. The words another nation, I translated it for you, uncircumcised Philistine. Did you know that phrase? This is interesting. Alophulo, alophulo, that phrase Josephus, the historian, tells us was on a sign in the courts of the temple. Now, let me just refresh your Templeology 101. The Gentiles could only come to a place. And it said up there, Alafulo, if you're a Gentile, you can go no further. Y'all with me? That's what it said. Now, if you're a, a woman Jew, proceed. And they're like, got it, got it. I'm coming on in, I'm coming on in. And then it said, women, you can't go no further. <laughs> Only the men can go now from the, the Jewish males. Now we can go. And men, there was a point you could go no further. Only the high priest could go. And along comes Jesus and does away with all of that. All of it. You're neither male nor female nor Jew nor Greek. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Woo, what a gospel. Man, what a message. What? This is, this is, forget the alafulo, whatever that Greek word is. No, don't worry about that. Because God, God is doing a new thing. Yeah, he's doing a new thing, a brand new thing, ushering in this great gospel. Oh, church, I hope you get excited and understand. But God, I, I really hope this week, when you're discouraged and you're tempted and you're worried and you're fearful, would you just, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, interject those words into their brain, but God, but God. Verse 30 and 32, Cornelius recounts what we've already studied, but again, repetition is good. And then verse 33, Peter has this eager audience. It reminded me, in 1997, I'd gone on my first international missionary trip, and I went... <laughs> Of all places, I went to Cambodia. In 1996, I was teaching at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I was a young professor. I was, actually, I guess I was about 30 years old, 31 years of age. And I was sitting in chapel, much like what you are doing right now, sitting in a worship service. And these students got up on stage and said, oh, we just come off of a mission trip in Cambodia and we had to hit the floor because bullets were flying and it was the scariest thing I'd ever experienced. And I was going, man, that is wild. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, is that Velu sitting there? Velu, the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, next year, you're going. And I was like, I hope not. <laughs> you know, bullets flying, the Khmer Rouge, the Cambodia and and the Holy Spirit would not let me alone. And so for 1997, I was getting my visa. I was getting prepared. I was getting my passport. And next thing I know, I'm leading a group of students in Cambodia. I'll never forget, we were on this fishing village of the Gulf of Thailand in southern Cambodia. And the missionary said, now, Brother Danny, just listen to me. I know I live here. We do not stay out at night. If it gets dark, it gets really dangerous. And the color of your skin, color of my skin, it's not, it's not good. So I'm glad and I'm good with you going out and evangelizing and doing all those things, but trust me on this. When it gets about five o'clock, six o'clock, we have got to be not only on the road, past the road, back to our headquarters. I said, okay, got it, got it. So we're at this fishing village and we're evangelizing and we're witnessing. You ought to see people look at me when I'm in Cambodia. Number one, I don't think you've ever seen an American. And they're just looking at me, just really straight. Back then I had brown hair, kind of blondish hair and blue eyes. They're just kind of looking at me like I'm about the same size of them. So that was pretty cool, you know. And they're just looking at me like this. And I'm sharing the gospel with them. And I go to the owner of this restaurant, true story. And I said, ma'am, do you mind if we show the Jesus film in your restaurant to the Khmer people. And she said, I don't mind at all because she was thinking business, right? We, we show a movie, I'll feed everybody, I'll make a lot of money. And she goes, you can do it at four o'clock or you can do it at eight o'clock. Were y'all listening earlier? She said, let me tell you the difference. At four o'clock, if you show your film, there will be a few people here. But if you wait until eight, 
it's dark and all the people come off the fishing boats, they will pour into here. And when they see that there's a movie, a free movie being shown on the VCR powered by the generator, this place will be packed. I said, we'll do it at eight. And the missionary's like, oh goodness, goodness. He wasn't listening, dumb American. He just wasn't listening. I'm like, no, we're gonna do it at eight o'clock. Sure enough, I kid you not. In the Jesus film, in the Khmer language, these people had never heard the gospel, never seen white people like me. They were mesmerized. And they poured in by the dozens. There were probably a couple of hundred people packed in a very small restaurant. And, I'm to, and, and they kept coming and coming and coming until when it got to the point of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, there was just this holy hush. And the film ends, and then I stand up. No, that's, that's what happened. And everybody is looking at me. And I'm thinking, it's about nine o'clock. It's way past dark. And y'all, guess what I did? I preached the gospel. I preached the gospel. I said, you guys, so glad y'all are here. But you have a problem. I have a problem. It's called sin. And God has a remedy. And it's called the blood. And if you allow him to cleanse you and forgive you, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. This great God, the one true living God will save you. And then what happened next, I was not prepared for. Have I ever told y'all this story? Oh my word, 10 years I've been preaching. I had not told y'all this story. This is one of my favorite stories. You should have told the story. Okay, I'm telling the story. The missionary backed his van up against the entrance of the restaurant. And as soon as I said, amen, he whisked me away. He physically gathered me and our team and said, in the van, in the van now. And I was like, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I, just, I need to give the invitation, he's in the van. And I felt like Billy Graham being whisked off the stage, you know, like come into here, come in. And I get in there and man, he's not joking around. He is scared to death. And we speed through the bumps and the humps of Cambodia. We made it to our hotel just fine. I'll never forget it. It reminded me of the scene of Peter and the people are packed in and they're eager and they're ready to hear for the very first time. That's the meeting. Now quickly, let me transition, segue into the message. I read it for you a moment ago, but let me, let me just bring out a couple of things that really jumped out at me. The message here, as I said earlier, it was the first time the gospel would ever be preached, mercy, to people like you and me, to Gentiles. If you look at Peter's sermon and you, and you study it, and I know I just read it for you, but I would encourage you, you'll see a lot of similarities between what Peter preached and the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark is a recollection of the sermons of Peter. And Peter preaches much like Paul and Philip and the rest of the, the church, and they call it the charismatic preaching of the early church. Remember what I told y'all earlier, what kerygma means or karux means? It means to pronounce. It means to herald. Here were the salient features of the message of the early church. And I would submit to my brothers in the ministry today, what I'm about to share with you, you cannot do any better. Jesus Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. He was born of a virgin Mary. He lived a stainless, perfect, spotless, pure life. He went about doing, anybody remember? Good. He went about doing good deeds. He's healing people. He's raising the dead, man. He's touching the lepers. He's feeding the 5,000. He went about doing all these things. And for all those good things that he did, the people put him on a cross and they nailed him to the cross. The Romans and the Jews who hated each other, they all agreed, let's do this. Let's get rid of this guy. He is threatening our government, and he's threatening our religion. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, woo, he died on a cross. And for nine hours, he's suspended between heaven and earth. And it's the bloodiest execution known to man. 
He has all these angels that could come and rescue him, but he says, don't do it. I'm gonna die for the sins of the world. And he did. That's the gospel, but that's not all. Three days later, there was a rumbling in the tomb. There was a stone that was pushed away and he came out. The son of God is alive and he appears to his disciples. He appears for 40 days and he teaches the kingdom of God, Acts 1, 3, and then he ascends up to heaven and he makes a promise. Look, I'm coming back. It's been 2,000 years and we're going, Lord, are you still coming back? And the Lord would say, you better believe it, but some things have got to happen first. And man, they are a happening and we're not fearful. We're not worried about it. I mean, we're prime and we're ready for the antichrist, are we not? Yes, we are. Because even in, in, in America, in the most religious, Christianized nation in the world, we're incredibly ignorant of the Antichrist, of what John said, of what Jesus said, of what Revelation says. So yes, we're primed and we're ready. I just pray God takes us out of here and raptures us before we see all that mess, but he is coming again. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This, this message is what Peter is preaching. He opened his mouth. God shows no partiality. Gentiles, I'm telling you this great news, and here it is, verse 36, the, the second greatest confession, which really to me is the, the greatest confession, verse 36, did y'all see it? At Joppa, there, uh, oh, wait, wait, my pages are turning over, 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, uangelitsumai, preaching, arene, peace, through Jesus Christ, he is Lord. That's the, that's the greatest confession your lips could ever make. To believe that what God says in his word is true and say, I believe that I am just a human and I'm sinful and I need regeneration. I need forgiveness because I think things I should not be thinking and I do things I should not be doing. And I say things that I wish I'd never said. Who can help me with my wretched heart? Jesus, with your blood, would you cleanse me? I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you done that? Has everybody done that? No, I'm serious. Have you done the first part? Because if you don't do the first part, you'll never do the second part. Because if you don't think you need God, you'll never pray and receive God. But if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. We, oh, let me give you a couple of verses. I'm just slowing down. I was going to speed, but let me, let me slow down and say this. Paul said in Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1:20, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So Peter preaches <clears throat> the cross. A few years ago, I wrote a tract here at Great Hills. It's called the, the, the Five Crosses. And I love whenever I see somebody who wears a cross I, and I get to share the message of the cross with them because a lot of people just look at it as jewelry, right? So Ashley and I, I told y'all last week we are selling our home, trying to sell our home. <clears throat> Not as easy as we thought. We'd. Anyhow, we're selling our home and we're gonna buy a home. We've already bought a piece of property. We're gonna build a house and I don't know if you've ever built a house before, but let me talk to me before you do that. Because let me give you some marriage counseling because you're going to need it, all right? This week, for five hours, we picked out paint, lights, grout. Anybody? Did you know you have to pick it out and you have to compare it to the, to the color that's on the floor and on the counters? I'm telling you, I was like, Ashley, Deliver me, baby, deliver me. What is happening here? I was like, oh, this is, and but Ashley's like, it's okay. Calm down, go get some more Diet Coke, get some more water, you got this. And it was just Ashley, me, and this one lady for five hours. Now I know my wife is sitting on the front row, but I'm gonna pretend she's not here for just a minute. <laughs> Guys, can I talk to y'all for just a minute? Y'all have heard the phrase, uh, 
Happy wife, happy life. Let me give you another one. Happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> I know, I know. After all that time, I turned to the lady and I just said, can I share with you just what means so much to me? She's like, well, yeah, she's very professional. I would highly recommend this lady. I mean, she knows her business. She's like, well, it kind of struggled. You know, we're going from house and oikos and buildings and paint and all. She goes, and, and what is, I said, you know, I think about the cross. I said, you ever thought about the cross of Jesus? There's a vertical beam. And Jesus died and he arose from the dead to reconcile us, sinful man, to a holy God. But have you ever noticed the horizontal beam? That God wants us not only to love him, he wants us to love, can you help me? He wants us to love one another. We got to share the gospel with her. Got to pray with her. And y'all know what? I walked out of that, I was so happy. I was like, woohoo, my wife's happy. I got to share the gospel. And we are getting a new house, amen. I thought I'd share the story with you. <clears throat> oh man, what, what a message. Verse 38, Jesus, I, I see it here, his baptism by John in the Jordan River. Remember he said, God has anointed him, Jesus with, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he said there in verse 38, and he went about doing good deeds. Oh, goodness. I know it's simple, but I think it should be restated and reiterated in verse 39. And, and we, went, we are his witnesses, <clears throat> excuse me, of all these things that he did. Earlier in verse 38, he went about doing good and healing. Look, guys, the church of Jesus Christ has fallen on unprecedented hard times in America. We were on a terrible trajectory going down, down, down before coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. And you think few people were coming before then? Take a look around today. We have about half the amount of people that we had with us. And praise God for you people who are watching online, we're, we're grateful. <clears throat> So I read an article, thank you, Brother Terry, from the unstuck Tony Morgan group. He's a lot like Carrie Newhoff's group, Layton, whom we love reading. Actually, just throw one of those waters as hard as you can at me. You can you get me even for all the things I said a moment ago. You got to toss it hard. Okay, thank you, babe. And I read this article and it said, we're in trouble. We know we're in trouble. What are we gonna do about it? And he submitted the following advice to every pastor and every church. <clears throat> His name is Pastor Gabe Kolstad and he pastors in, I'm just gonna say the name of the city and I wanna hear your, I just wanna see your reaction. Y'all still there? I'm okay, you're back. Portland, Oregon. How would you like to be pastoring in Portland, the most unchurched city in America? The Pacific Northwest is by far <clears throat> the most unchurched geographical region in the United States. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me come back. He pastors Westside Community Church and he says these words, I can assure you the vast majority of people in my neighborhood are not looking for a church, either online or in person to attend this Sunday, far from it. In fact, one of the troubling realities is that most people seem quite happy without Jesus. And I'll bet it's not so different where you live. 
I wonder if that's why Jesus' weapons of love were a towel for washing our feet and a cross for giving his life. If we're looking for a way to regain influence in our communities, whether digital or physical, the place to begin is to add value to the people in our circles by, here it comes, serving their needs and pointing them to Jesus as the reason for our doing so. Wow, that was gold. I don't know if y'all just realize, I just shared with you the absolute tool for reaching this community and every community. People are not gonna be flocking to our church. It's, it's a different day. You can invite them and I hope you continue to invite them, but here's what we gotta do, another step. We have to serve them. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? What can my church do to meet your very real, tangible, physical, emotional, spiritual need? Jesus Christ went about doing good. Isn't that crazy? I mean, evangelism and church growth, we're looking for all these models. We're looking, we're, the pastors are desperate, churches are closing, churches are merging. I mean, like, oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Well, I think the churches that will be faithful to the gospel and faithful to meeting people's needs will be the churches that will survive. Verse 40, Peter declares that God raised his son from the dead showed him openly. So what you have here is the charismatic preaching of the apostle Peter. All those things that I mentioned earlier, remember? Prophesied, came, lived perfect life, died a substitutionary death, arose from the dead, ascended to the Father. He's coming back, therefore repent. That, that was the gospel. Now I'm gonna stop my message, but I, I can't leave you hanging and dangling because I just gotta tell you what happens. I know we'll preach about it next week. Can I just tell you all what happens? He said, well, I've already read the story. I already know what happens. I'm going to tell you anyhow, okay? Because I'm so excited about it. Peter preaches, and he says in verse 43, now, you Gentiles, just like me, Jew, if you believe what I just shared with you, you can be saved. Holy Spirit, bam! All of them get saved. All of them get baptized. And so the word goes out going, oh, my word. The, 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 the apostles back in Jerusalem are going, oh man, everybody in Caesarea in this one house got saved. The gospel, it's for everybody. Let me ask you one more time. Have you made, now please listen carefully. Please listen very, very carefully. This may be the only chance you get to do this. Have you made the two greatest confessions that you can ever make. First of all, have you ever honestly before God quit saying how amazing you are, <laughs> how educated you are, and how affluent and influential you really are? God is not impressed, I'm just saying. But have you ever said, God, I'm a sinner. Now, I, I know I'm special because your Bible says in Genesis 1, 26 that the very image of God is imprinted in my life. I have a soul. I have the ability to communicate with humanity and with the divine. My, my dog, whom I love, just can't do that. He, he's incapable of cognitive reasoning and syllogism and argumentation. He can't do that. He'll never do that, but I can do that. And it just reminds me, God, that I am special. God, you... You must have created me in an amazing way. And yet I know, I know me. And I know that I need help, that I'm a sinner. And on my own, I'll never, never make it to heaven. You say, wow, that's, that's bad news. That's humbling news. But let me tell you the great news. I may be a big sinner, but you sure are a great God. And I confess with my mouth today that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I walk away, I turn, the Bible calls it metanoia, calls it about face repentance. I'm walking away from that life of arrogance and self-sufficiency and dependence upon no one. 
and I'm turning my life over to you, King Jesus, and I gladly bow my knee, my volition, my heart, my decisions, my mind unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I say, have you ever made these two confessions? Number one, I am a sinner. I'm a mere woman. I'm a mere man. But God, you are awesome, and Jesus Christ is the Lord. If you haven't, <laughs> what are you waiting on? <laughs> Why not now? Do it now. You say, well, is it that easy? Is it that simple? It is. Because God's done all the heavy lifting. You just have to admit you're a sinner and Jesus is a savior and you're surrendering your life to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and God bless you people online. Thank you for being with us. Stay with us for just a minute. <clears throat> Because I'm gonna ask you to do what I'm gonna ask everybody in this room to do, and that's this very simple thing. If you've never responded to the gospel, then do it now. And I wanna help you. I wanna help you. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Just pray with me. Pray this prayer, say it out loud or say it in your heart. It doesn't matter. What matters is not the, it's the attitude of the heart that what's mattering. So here, here it is. Dear God, I, um, <laughs> I've messed up. I need help. I am a mere mortal human being. And I am flawed. And I am sinful. I know it. And everybody that knows me knows it. But God. Mm. But God, you are good. You are kind. You are holy. You're the creator. And I'm just the creation. And so today I ask, are you with me? Today, I ask Jesus to be my Lord. Save me, O oh God. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I give myself to you. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God the Father raised the Son from the dead. He's alive and I receive him. Now, here's the great news. If you just did that, welcome to the family of God. You, you are a brand new, born again creation. Praise the Lord. We would love to hear about it. I'd love to get your name. I'd love to have your contact information. You can do this. You can give it to us online. There's a little registration. There's a little, little site that you can just click on it and you can give us this information. Or if you're here, right here, right now, many of you, I don't recognize a lot of faces here today, and that is absolutely cool with me. Maybe you just drifted in and you met the Lord. Would you let us know about it? We would love, love, love to just hear that you've stepped out of darkness into light. You may be a little like, whoa, I don't know what I just did, but it sure feels good. It feels the right thing to do. We'll come alongside of you. We'll disciple you. We will help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. You just got to let us know. Let me, one of our staff know, one of our people know. Father, thank you for the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation and to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then praise God for the rest of us, for us Greeks. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song. Terry's the band's going to come. Y'all go ahead and stand up with me. We're going to sing songs of commitment and dedication to the Lord. Just enjoy this. Breathe this in. Before you run out, go ahead, Terry. You lead us. <clears throat>